At the parking lot opposite the Star Building, he tramped about restlessly while waiting for an attendant to bring the car. I'll drive, Penny said, sliding behind the steering wheel. In your present mood, you might inadvertently pick off a few pedestrians. It makes my blood boil, Mr. Parker muttered, his thoughts reverting to the telegram. Call my paper yellow, eh? And that crack about the cash register. Oh, everyone knows the Star is the best paper in the state, Penny said, trying to coax him into a better mood. You're a good editor, too. And a pretty fair father. Thanks, Mr. Parker responded with a mock bow. Since we're passing out compliments, you're not so bad yourself. Suddenly relaxing, he reached out to touch Penny's hand in a rare expression of affection. Tall and lean, a newspaper man with a reputation for courage and fight, he had only two interests in life, his paper and his daughter. Penny's mother had been dead many years, but at times he saw his wife again in the girl's sparkling blue eyes, golden hair, and especially in the way she smiled. "'Hungry, Dad?' Penny asked unexpectedly, intruding upon his thoughts. I know a dandy new hamburger place not far from here. Wonderful coffee, too. Well, all right, Mr. Parker consented. It's pretty late, though, the big clock striking midnight. As the car halted for a traffic light, they both listened to the musical chimes, which preceded the regularly spaced strokes of the giant clock. Penny turned her head to gaze at the Hubble Memorial Tower, a grim stone building which rose to the height of 75 feet. Erected ten years before as a monument to one of Riverview's wealthy citizens, its chimes could be heard for nearly a mile on a still night. On one side, its high narrow windows overlooked the city, while on the other, the cultivated land of truck farmers. How strange, Penny murmured as the last stroke of the clock died away. "'What's strange?' Mr. Parker asked gruffly. "'Why, that clock struck thirteen times instead of twelve. "'Bonk and bosh. "'Oh, but it did,' Penny earnestly insisted. "'I counted each stroke distinctly.' "'And one of them twice,' scoffed her father. "'Or are you spoofing your old dad?' "'Oh, I'm not,' Penny maintained. "'As the car moved ahead, she craned her neck to stare up at the stone tower. "'I know I counted thirteen. Why, Dad, there's a green light burning in one of the windows. I never saw that before. What can it mean? It means we'll have a wreck unless you watch the road, Mr. Parker cried, giving the steering wheel a quick turn. Where are you taking me, anyhow? Out to Tony's. Reluctantly, Penny centered her full attention upon the highway. It's only a mile into the country. We won't be home before one o'clock, Mr. Parker complained. But since we're this far, I suppose we may as well keep on. "'Dad, about that light,' Penny said thoughtfully. "'Did you ever notice it before?' Mr. Parker turned to gaze back toward the stone tower. "'There's no green light,' he answered grimly. "'Every window is dark.' "'But I saw it only an instant ago, and I did hear the clock strike thirteen. "'Cross my heart and hope to die—' "'Never mind the dramatics,' Mr. Parker cut in. "'If the clock struck an extra time, which it didn't, "'something could have gone wrong with the mechanism. "'Don't try to build up a mystery out of your imagination.' "'The car rattled over a bridge and passed a deserted farmhouse "'that formerly had belonged to a queer old man named Peter Finestra.' Penny's gaze fastened momentarily upon an old-fashioned storm cellar which marred the appearance of the front yard. 
I suppose I imagined all that, too, she said, waving her hand toward the disfiguring cement hump. Old Peter never had any hidden gold, he never had a secret pact with tattooed sailors, and he never tried to burn your newspaper plant. I'll admit you did a nice piece of detective work when you uncovered that story, her father acknowledged. Likewise, you brought the star one of its best scoops by outwitting slippery Al Gepper and entangling him in his own silken ladder. Don't forget the tale of the witch tall, either, Penny reminded him. You laughed at me then, just as you're doing now. I'm not laughing, denied the editor. I merely say that no light was burning in the tower window, and I very much doubt that the clock struck more than twelve times. Tomorrow I shall go to the tower and talk with the caretaker, Seth McGuire. I'll prove to you that I was right. If you do, I'll treat you to a dish of ice cream decorated with nuts. Make it five gallons of gasoline and I'll be really interested, she countered. Due to an unusual set of circumstances, Penny had fallen heir to two automobiles, one a second-hand contraption whose battered sides bore the signature of nearly every young person in Riverview. The other, a handsome maroon sedan, had been the gift of her father, presented in gratitude because of her excellent reporting of a case known to many as Behind the Green Door. Always hard-pressed for funds, she found it all but impossible to keep two automobiles in operation, and her financial difficulties were a constant source of amusement to everyone but herself. Soon an electric sign proclaiming Tony's in huge block letters loomed up. Penny swung into the parking area, tooting the horn for service. Immediately a white-coated waiter brought out a menu. "'Coffee and two hamburgers,' Penny ordered with a flourish. "'Everything on one and everything but on the other.' "'No onions for the little lady?' the waiter grinned. "'Okay, I'll have them right out.' While waiting, Penny noticed that another car, a gray sedan, had drawn up close to the building. Although the two men who occupied the front seat had ordered food, they were not eating it. Instead, they conversed in low tones as they appeared to watch someone inside the cafe.' "'Dad, notice those two men,' she whispered, touching his arm. "'What about them?' he asked. But before she could reply, the waiter came with a tray of sandwiches, which he hooked over the car door. "'Not bad,' Mr. Parker praised as he bit into a giant-sized hamburger. First decent cup of coffee I've had in a week, too.' "'Dad, watch!' Penny reminded him. The restaurant door had opened, and a man of early middle age came outside. Immediately, the couple in the gray sedan stiffened to alert attention. As the man passed their car, they lowered their heads, but the instant he had gone, they turned to peer after him. The man, who was being observed so closely, seemed unaware of the scrutiny. Crossing the parking lot, he chose a trail which led into a dense grove of trees. "'Now's our chance,' cried one of the men in the gray sedan. "'Come on, we'll get him.' Both alighted and likewise disappeared into the woods. "'Dad, did you hear what they said?' asked Penny. "'I did,' he answered grimly. "'Tough-looking customers, too.' "'I'm afraid they mean to rob that first man. Isn't there anything we can do?' Mr. Parker barely hesitated. "'I may make a chump of myself,' he said. "'But here goes. I'll tag along and try to be on hand if anything happens.' "'Dad, don't do it,' Penny pleaded, suddenly frightened lest her father face danger. "'You might get hurt.' Mr. Parker paid no heed. Swinging open the car door, he strode across the parking lot and entered the dark woods.'